What's up, everyone? And welcome to another episode of the Renewable Energy Smart Pod. I'm your host, Sean McMahon. And now that the calendar has turned to 2023, it's time to look ahead at what the coming year might have in store for the renewable energy industry. To peer into that crystal ball with me, today I'm going to be joined by a pair of executives from EDF Renewables, Tristan Grimbert and Raphael DeClerc. Tristan is the president and CEO of EDF Renewables, while Raphael is executive vice president and serves as the CEO of their on-site solutions business unit, which operates under the PowerFlex brand. 2023 is definitely going to be an interesting year for renewables. Elements of the Inflation Reduction Act should pick up momentum, but headwinds, including supply chain issues and transmission challenges, could make this year a tricky one for renewables. Tristan and Raphael are going to offer their insights on all of those topics and more. We're also going to dive into the work of PowerFlex and how the efforts of Raphael and his team fit into EDF Renewables' overall strategy of not only generating renewable energy, but also helping end users optimize the storage and consumption of that renewable energy. Looking ahead at the schedule for this podcast, we've got a lot of great episodes coming down the pipeline. I've also got some exciting news about an additional podcast Smart Brief is preparing to launch. The Sustainability Smart Pod is coming your way soon, and that show is going to look at the people, technologies, and trends that are driving a variety of industries toward a more sustainable future. So lots of great stuff coming up in 2023, but before I kick off my conversation with Tristan Grimbert and Raphael DeClerc from EDF Renewables, here's a quick word from the sponsor of today's episode, ABS Quality Evaluations. Get serious about sustainability. Assurance services from ABS Quality Evaluations can guide you with ISO certifications for environmental, health and safety, energy management, and more. Our globally accredited experts can help you become energy efficient and save overhead costs. Go to www.abs-qe.com or click on the link in the show notes to learn more. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining me for today's episode. I'm joined by a pair of executives from EDF Renewables, Tristan Grimbert and Raphael DeClerc. Gentlemen, how are you doing today? Very good. Thank you. Nice to see you. Yes, thanks for having us. Yeah, I'm excited to get you guys in here on the show because uh, obviously from your perspective, you guys have a great view on what's going on in the renewable energy sector. As we kick off the new year 2023, I want to ask you, what do you see as the outlook for the year ahead of us? Tristan, why don't you kick things off for us? Well, hopefully we're looking forward to stability. 2022 was supposed to be the, the year post-COVID, and I would say it was pretty bumpy, I would say. Uh, we had, you know, impost restriction, uh, inflation, great designation, the supply chain issues, uh, cost of money rise, and et cetera. So after having a very nice piece of legislation with the IRA, we look forward to a year for stability in 2023. All right. And Tristan, you mentioned the IRA. So obviously, that's had a major impact on what's going on in, in the industry. So what are some of the things you've noticed, you know, either first or the largest impact it's already had in the less than a year that it's been in effect? So first and foremost, of course, quantitatively, this is great for the renewable industry. It's a 20 to 30% increase in volumes in the next 10 years that, that we see. So it is good for renewable and it's good for decarbonization in general. Uh, but I think more qualitatively, this is also very important because it supports storage. And, uh, and it's also a way to balance out the uh, playing field between the imports for uh, supply, you know, modules uh, and et cetera, inverters, batteries. So it, it balances out the supply uh, chain 
between the US and Southeast Asia. So we're, we're going to see a rebalancing of that supply chain, and that's a great news for the industry as a well. whole. And lastly, I think what's really important, I said storage, supply chain, as well as uh, hydrogen. Hydrogen is a big winner of the IRA. We look forward to hydrogen starting to uh, kick off in the next three years and take a place in the uh, uh, renewable and electricity sector in the U.S. And Raphael, what are you seeing from your perspective? So from the perspective of the distributed systems, I think IRA, on top of what Tristan was uh, describing, is offering some adders that could be very beneficial to that segment of CNI, commercial and industrial. We can get more ITC, investment tax credit, if we're located in places that have lower income, if we're able to install systems that have a higher domestic content. Uh, those will allow us to bring that energy where it's consumed. And we'll talk about this. This is, this is really core to what EDF Renewables is, is doing here. Okay, and you're right. I want to, I definitely want to get into what's going on with PowerFlex and what you and your team are doing. But before we transition away from just the broader picture, any areas of concern in 2023? I know, Tristan, you mentioned that supply chain issues we had and inflation in 2022. But looking ahead, are there any areas that those things persisting or do you foresee any other new problems maybe cropping up? I'm hoping that the general business environment is going to stabilize in 2023. I don't see any major turbulences ahead of us. I think the main concern I have are related to the IRA itself. I think it's, as I said, it's a great piece of legislation, but there are a few things that are not in the IRA that are worth mentioning. One of them, so the two areas of concerns are one is tax equity availability. The amount of, of tax credit that are going to be needed for our industry to grow is, is, is pretty big. And uh, I think transferability does part of the job, but I'm concerned that uh, there will be a, a flight to quality from the tax investors and the, the market may be short in tax equity availability in the next few years. The second issue of concern is uh, transmission. Uh, transmission is a big thing that was uh, left out of the IRA, and we are going to be able to produce more renewable energy in the areas of production when there is a lot of wind and a lot of solar, but we have not sold out to bring that to the load center. And that's actually in the core of the strategy of PowerFlex. But that's really an area of concern on the utility scale of our business. Now, Tristan, you mentioned earlier, you know, the hydrogen and how the IRA is going to really kind of propel that. So why is that so important? And, and what are some of the areas you see where that's going to have the most use? So first of all, the IRA is likely making hydrogen manufacturing the U.S. The, the cheapest in the world. So I think the U.S. is going to become a, a base for export of significant amount of hydrogen. We're working on a number of projects, both very large scale for exports as well as for mobility. And um, you, you talked uh, about synergy between the, our utility scale business and, and PowerFlex, and that's another area. Understanding how hydrogen is going to grow and it's going to turn into heavy mobility like truck, hydrogen truck, and th things like that is, you know, something that is of interest to PowerFlex as well. It could be a competition or an opportunity, depending on what we do. But basically, we, we think that there are a number of niches where hydrogen is going to start and grow, and it's going to become an essential part of the energy mix in the future because it can provide that high energy density storage that will replace eventually um, hydrocarbons that are coming from fossil fuel. Okay. Now, what do you think of the Department of Energy's plan to kind of set up these hydrogen hubs around the country? I mean, I know there's one in Utah. And then a couple of months ago, we actually had an episode on this show about Louisiana is trying to get in there. So... You know, what do you think about how that's being kind of guided by DOE and even on the locations? It seems like some might be positioned to export while others kind of take care of the domestic markets. Yeah, we're part of a number of those and they are very different nature. 
So I think it's a good initiative to get the various local stakeholders to talk to each other and trying to organize a project around, around hydrogen. It's going to take a little while to, uh, to figure out exactly the positioning of each one of these, those hubs. And I'm not sure that all of them are going to uh, survive, but it's, it's a great way to get organized and to accelerate the development of hydrogen that's going to be fueled by the IRA subsidies, basically. Great. Okay, now, yeah, let's dive into PowerFlex. So talk about how, first of all, going back to when the team at EDF acquired PowerFlex, and then how has that transition gone? And then what's in store? What's in the future in 2023? So maybe I'll start and I'll let Rafael elaborate on what PowerFlex is today. But um, what it is today is a result of uh, our reflection in the early 2010s on the fact that we as a utility-scale payer were creating more and more issues on the grid with uh, more and more wind and more and more solar. And that as the penetration level of renewable was getting higher and higher, there was no real way to solve the issue and transmission and storage will not be enough. So we, if we wanted to decarbonize, we had to play not only on the utility scale out in the desert or in the Great Plains, but also at the, at the place of, of consumption. So what we really saw when we saw EVs starting you know, in the mid-2010 was batteries on wheel and batteries on wheel that will be available and idle most of the time and will help us to solve the high level of penetration for renewable. And very naturally, we decided to set an ambition to create a business out of it and to bring the energy at the, the, the point of consumption for our customer, making it more flexible and making more resilient. So with microgrids and, and with a combination of rooftop solar, battery storage, and EV charging, we're able to put that all together in a way that makes economical sense for the customers and also solve the issue of penetration of renewable on the grid. Okay. And now, Raphael, you're obviously kind of leading this team. So what do you guys have on your plate now? Yeah, we have a, a lot to uh, accomplish in 2023 and in the years to come. To uh, come back to what Tristan was saying, this is really consistent with the overall strategy of EDF Renewables of bringing the clean energy where it's needed and when it's needed. Also, with the electric vehicle charging aspect, we're able to tackle another big culprit in carbon emission. If you look at who is producing, which sectors are producing most carbon in the U.S., it's first transportation and second, the uh, energy production sector. So by playing our part in providing solutions on the EV charging side that are congruent with a grid that is more able to accept renewables, I think we are, we're trying to help at the system level with the PowerFlex solutions. Now, in practice, what does it mean for, for PowerFlex? It's very focused on the commercial segment, being able to serve customers on-site. We have three technologies that we can bring to our customers, solar storage and EV charging. But if you look at them individually and don't try to co-optimize, you're missing a big part of the value proposition for the customers. And that's where we are to invest in the software solution that allows to optimize each and every technology, but also co-optimize those technologies between each other and making sure that they're consistent with what the grid requires, the signals that the grid is sending. And that's very important for our customers to make sure that we are reducing their cost. If you don't take that into account, if you just install very blindly 60 EV chargers on the parking lot and don't think about the consequences on your energy bill, you're going to see real increases. And by bringing that intelligence on site, we bring value to our customers by managing the cost. So what does that look like? What does that software do? You said, you know, put 60 EV charging systems on site. So how does the 
software, how does the technology prevent it from being such a, a huge cost burden and maybe push some of that energy back to the building or, you know, walk me through how this works in a, in a real case scenario. Yeah. So uh, we call the, the software solution that we bring PowerFlex X. And PowerFlex X is really a platform in the sense that you have several different products that are interacting to deliver the solution to the customer. The first thing you need to do is understand, okay, what do I need? We have customers that are coming to us saying we have employees that are requesting to have more EV chargers on the parking lot. We have customers that are coming to us saying, I really need to reduce my dependency to the grid and I want more solar on my premises. We have customers that are coming and saying uh, there is an opportunity for us to store some of that energy. You need a tool that understands the tariffs, which are extremely complex in the U.S. As you know, 3,000 utilities each have their particular tariffs. It is a, a world of its own. We understand that world very well. And we have put in the software that intelligence to help our customers really optimize the best solution. So that's the first piece we call it exact. Once you have that solution optimized, you need to make sure that it's going to operate correctly. And there is a feedback loop between the two. We, we optimize the sizing based on how we know it's going to operate. Those algorithms that we put under the, the name Cortex, they allow to maximize the number of chargers and minimize the reliance on the grid. The core piece is something we call ALM for adaptive load management. It's adaptive because it takes into account what the drivers need. So it, a, another aspect of the product is a mobile app that allows to take into account the uh, requirements that the drivers are giving us every day, the requirements of the vehicles they're driving, and taking all those inputs into account, taking the solar production into account, taking the storage charge and discharge into account, and the grid tariffs, we can optimize. As you can tell, it's a lot of parameters. So we need to make sure that we have very advanced mass behind those algorithms to ensure that our customers are minimizing their cost of transition to clean energy. And last but not least, as part of the product, we need to be sure that we provide a reliable and secure solution to our customers. When you're, when you're talking about employees uh, charging their electric vehicles at the office, it's already a big deal for them. If you were expecting to charge your car and you're not able to charge your car and you're not able to drive back home, it's an issue. Think about the challenge. I can see for, how that would be. I can see how that would be a problem. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And think about the challenge for some of the businesses we're serving when it's their core business. When you look at companies like DHL, if they're not able to drive their uh, light duty trucks, which are transitioning to clean energy, it's the core business that is directly impacted. So we need to make sure that we have a, a reliable solution. We gave a lot of thoughts to how we do this, how we communicate with a combination of cloud and on-premise computation. And we're able to provide that reliability to our customers, even when it's their core business. We'll be right back. It's time to get serious about sustainability. Assurance services from ABS Quality Evaluations provide your customers and stakeholders confidence in the high standards of your operations. With over 30 years of experience, we can guide your sustainability journey with key ISO certifications for environmental, health and safety, energy management, responsible care, and more. Our globally accredited quality and risk experts can assist you in reducing your carbon footprint, becoming energy efficient, and saving overhead costs. Go to www.abs-qe.com or click on the link in today's show notes to get started today.
And now back to my conversation with Tristan Grimbert and Raphael DeClerc from EDF Renewables. Okay, now you mentioned your primary you know, market of operation is commercial and industrial space. And then you also mentioned DHL. And, and so that makes me think about fleet, like you said. So is this kind of a, a fleet-wide example of what we're all hearing about in terms of you know, vehicle to everything or V2X? Yeah, so that's uh, clearly the vision. Uh, if you think about what Tristan was talking about earlier and how we can provide that flexibility at the end of the grid with those batteries on wheel, you have to be able to re-inject the energy that you may have stored while you were harvesting the sun when uh, we are on peak. So if you look at California, which is probably the most advanced market between 4 p.m. and 9 p.m., this is when you would want to be able to discharge the battery from the vehicles if they're not being used. It's a very um, very good use case if you think about office charging. So you drive back home at 5 p.m. and you're going to be able to power your refrigerator, you're going to be able to power your TV, with the energy that you store during the day when you collected it from the sun. That's something that we, we have on our roadmap. We have done some pilots to be able to modify the, uh, the charging and do some bidirectional pilots. It's still not at the commercial level, but it's clearly something that we want to tackle in 2023 when, when we look ahead at 2025 and that time horizon where we think it can really make a difference. And are there any industries where you're seeing perhaps the most potential growth? You know, we already talked about kind of industrial, you know, fleet, DHL, stuff like that. But what about, you know, hospitality or multifamily residential or any sectors like that? Yeah, so we have we have a bias with PowerFlex because we try to go where our technology brings the most value. It started with office spaces. We're looking for places where you have long dwell times, where in the future it is very likely that solar will be relevant. And so we started with office spaces, then the pandemic hit. And so we, we saw the consumption at some of those tech uh, campuses in California, think of SAP, Intuit, and others, that had really taken a turn and installed a lot of EV chargers. The consumption dwindled because the employees were working from home. So we went where they were. And we went to the multi-unit dwellings, is something you mentioned, and I think this is the part of the residential market we're able to address with our technology. Because we're able to maximize the number of chargers that you're going to put at a given electric capacity. So the challenge you have on a, an office campus is the same as the one you have with a multi-unit dwelling. Hospitals is, not, is another example where you have a lot of churn and an, a very high need for EV charging. And this is a sector we're also able to, to serve well. Now, if you expand this, you look at uh, new areas that are new sectors that are realizing, okay, we need to serve our customers better through good EV charging. The best example that, that we had recently was airports. We started with the airport of Los Angeles where we installed 1,200 chargers. And this is the, the sort of size, like 1,200 chargers in a single location like that. It's very unique. I think it's probably still the largest EV installation at an airport in the world. But we're seeing other airports that are just following suit and realizing, yes, this is something we need for our customers. We don't want a charging solution where you have a wait list. People are gone for three days. We want very cost-efficient charging that is going to be optimized automatically. And that's where the solution we bring as immediate value for, for customers like airports. How does that work at an airport? I got to ask you. So, I mean, if I pull into an airport with my electric vehicle and I plug in and I go get on a plane, like you said, for three days, am I just occupying that charger the whole time or is, it, how, is there a rotation or how does that work? Yes, no rotation. That's, that's really our mantra. The wait list is not a feature, it's a bug. The best example we had was at hospitals, in the operation room, uh, surgeons that were 
looking at their phones because they were receiving alerts that they needed to move their cars. That's, that's extreme, but that's real. And so you don't want that. What you want is ubiquitous chargers that are as cost efficient as possible and are going to be regulated lower based on the demand of each driver. So one driver may be gone for three days, but another one may be just commuting for the day and they want their charge back at the end of the day. And that's what our technology allows to do well. Do they plug that in, I guess? Or, you know, was the, would the driver say, hey, I'm gone for a week or, hey, I'm going to be back at the end of the day? Yep. They do that through the, through the mobile app. And that's, a, that's a, a step today that is very um, user-friendly. Uh, you just do two steps on the app and you say, okay, I'm going to be back in eight hours, six hours, 72 hours. And we're going to take that into account to manage the charging. And what drives the customer behavior there is the price signal. Of course, you want the customer to input that information and you can drive that by the pricing that you determine. And as you know, some of the charging places uh, charge by the, uh, the rental of the parking spots, some by the energy. And by making a combination of the, of the two, we can adapt completely with the PowerFlex app to what the customer needs. All right. So it sounds like PowerFlex is doing a lot of really cool things in the marketplace, but how does PowerFlex scale up from where it is now? So I think we're just starting to to address the market. There's still a lot of sites that need to be equipped and a lot of parking lots that need to have, you know, uh, carports and, and EV charging. But once you do it at the site level, the next step is to aggregate the various sites that are themselves optimized so that you can provide services to the grid. And then you have, you know, a DER uh, um, that allows to provide that flexibility to the grid. And then you can aggregate at the regional level and maybe at the national level. So eventually the scaling up is being able to accumulate those thousands and thousands thousands of cars that are on parking lots that can be charged at different speed or can provide electricity to the grid. So that's the vision in the future. So if I understand that correctly, you're talking about, so you got a Walmart that's got a facility there and then maybe down the street, you got a Costco or something like that. And then those all come together. So that neighborhood and then maybe even that city. So we might see some cities kind of start to tout their bona fides in this? Yes. Our, our view is that as, a, as an integrator, we'll be able to accumulate a number of sites and we'll be able to deliver energy or storage to the grid in, at the, on the whole wholesale level uh, to play on the power market space. So your vision is exactly right. That's fascinating. Okay. Now, Tristan, how does this fit into the overall strategy you have at EDF Renewals? You mentioned earlier you're creating, you know, large scale wind and solar farms, and now you're just trying to get to the end user. But how does this fit into the strategy now? And then, you know, what's the existing footprint? And then what's the plan for growth? So I think the your question has two two dimensions. One, our long term mission is to decarbonize the, uh, the the energy sector. So I think it fits very well in that in that sense. One by allowing that decarbonized energy to be produced on the site of the customers. We're, we're on the top, you know, rooftop installer in in the US. Uh, but also thanks for the, the battery side and EV charge by allowing more penetration of, of utility scale projects. So in terms of mission, this fits very well. In terms of strategy, I think I would turn your question, if I may, into what are the synergies? What we have seen is that uh, we need to run PowerFlex as a separate business unit, and it is because it's, the churn is very quick and it's, it's, a, it's a very specialized business, and, uh, and Rafael and his team have a lot of autonomy, of course. But at the same token, you have some very significant synergies the understanding of the market as a well, whole, the fact that you can see the market from the utility scale, from the customer scale, from the on-site side is, uh, is really valuable. Uh, on the procurement side as well, when we buy modules, uh, we buy for both uh, business units. And we have seen that having some, what could be seen a small inventory on the utility scale can be very useful at some, sometimes for PowerFlex to be able to go through 
things like the oxygen issue and the Antarctic Convention freeze that there was over the over the, the summer last year. On the battery side, the same thing. Our battery customers are very interested in a supplier, sorry, are very interested to of the large volume that uh, grid scale can uh, bring, but also in the short-term project that they can see. And uh, on the customer side as well, the CNI, you know, the big customers like you know Walmart or Prologis or else, they have both a large utility scale program and they have sites that they need to equip with um, rooftop solar and with EV charging. And again, we can, as long as we find areas where people are going to leave their car for a while. I mean, we we're in California, right? Even though it's raining today in San Diego, sorry, the uh, that's how it came about. Is that we drive to the office and our cars sit there for the whole day under the sun, and you can convert that into precious energy and into grid reliability as well. So there is a lot of synergies, and it's very important for us to to analyze those and not inner power flex, dynamism, and and entrepreneurship with you know processes that are a little bit heavier on the utility scale, but yet leverage those synergies. I don't know, Tristan. I thought they wrote a song about how it never rains in Southern California. What are you talking about? Rarely. And, and we call that the free uh, sprinkler system. So we're happy with it. <laughs> That's great. Now I want to get into the part that you said you were dreading, Tristan, the bold predictions. So uh, I'll start with you, Tristan. Then I also want to hear separately from you, Raphael. So from where you're sitting, what are some bold predictions you have, Tristan, about 2023? And then also say five years out, you know, what does the landscape look like for a firm like yours and also for the U.S. in general, you know, as we go push a couple more years into IRA? So I think the bold, I'm not sure it's a bold prediction as much as a concern and therefore a necessity. What's going to become more and more important is market regulation and, and the market design per se. So the ability to understand who is going to produce when, who is going to use electricity when, and how to make that work in a grid that's more and more intermittent and, and more and more intelligence driven, like what PowerFlex is doing at the site level, is going to become more and more important. And the bold prediction I would make in the next five years is that as the, those system that integrates you know, uh, local resources into regional resources, into national resources to manage the grid in a dynamic manner on a real-time basis between the intermittent resources and the load, those systems are going to become preeminent and cybersecurity is going to become a big, big issue in five years from now. So if you want a bold prediction is that maybe in five years from now, we'll have a podcast on how we prevent, you know, whatever foreign power to enter our uh, dynamic grid management system uh, so that they cannot control it on our behalf. All right. So cyber defense being top, top, of defense. The top headline in five years. Okay. Raphael, what about you? Where's PowerFlex at in, say, five years? And more importantly, I guess, more specifically, what kind of new technologies are we going to see? I mean, what you, what you described about the airport kind of blew my mind a little bit. I'd never seen that. What other new stuff is going to be out there? Yeah, I think one of the topics we touched on is going to be essential, and that would be my bold prediction. It's the vehicle to X, vehicle to building, vehicle to grid. I think this is something that has been brewing for a few years, and I think we're going to turn a corner in the next three years probably, where regulations, car OEMs, and energy managers like us are going to align to allow this potential to be realized. I think it's too bad to just leave those cars fully charged when they don't need to be fully charged. They can provide that flexibility. It's part of a broader transition that I think the whole society is pushing for. As far as uh, technology excitement that I see, uh, mostly on the EV charging side, 
one uh, very important theme for us is to make the user experience as seamless as possible. So what we envision in the future is a seamless communication between the vehicles and the charging stations, where you don't even have to take those three steps of uh, taking out your phone and, and using an app, where the communication between the car itself and the charger is automated. It requires some standardization. So there are some ISO standards that are being pushed for. I think it, it takes time for the whole industry, and it's fortunately an industry that attracts a lot of capital and a lot of interest. Uh, that means a lot of players are playing in that arena, and so we need to align everybody. But I think we are heading in the right direction. Places like California are a beacon for the rest of the country, and we are going to be able to simplify that user experience, make it as seamless as possible. You just plug and charge. You don't have anything else to do. Your car is going to be ready when you need it. By the way, there may be a little bit of that energy that at some point went to the building or went to the grid, but it's absolutely painless for you, the driver. Maybe it will be driven by your Outlook calendar. It will know whether you're flying for three days or not, and then uh, that will determine at what speed you're charging and whether you can your car but can serve the grid during that time when you're away. So you're, now you're telling me that Microsoft and Google and all those other uh, office app companies are going to be carving their footprint into this space? Well, there is a lot of room for entrepreneurial companies that can use those, uh, those API <laughs> and develop some specialized product. They, you, to be able to do that, you need to have a pretty deep understanding of, of the grid and the way it works. But certainly, competition is open. Yeah, those little startups like Microsoft and Google, you know, they got deep pockets. <laughs> <laughs> no, we have an early start. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, good luck with that race. <laughs> and uh, gentlemen, thank you very much. I really appreciate your insights. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thanks. Have a great day. Well, that's our show for today. But before we get out of here, I want to say one final thank you to the sponsor of this episode, ABS Quality Evaluations. If you like this podcast, please share it with your friends and colleagues. And be sure to follow us on Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also follow us on Twitter, where our handle is at RenewablesPod. And if you'd like a daily dose of renewable news delivered to your inbox, head to SmartBrief.com and sign up for the Renewable Energy Smart Brief. The Renewable Energy Smart Pod is a production of SmartBrief, a future company.